Hey everybody, Josh Sheridan here with the Barely Legal Podcast. On today's show, I have Sam Salgado from 81 Bay. Is it 81 Bay Brewing? Is that the 81 Bay? We hear 81 Bay a lot. Okay. 81 Bay is the official. Yeah. All right. So, uh, you're somewhat of an outlier geographically speaking from where I'm seeing these pop popping up. But what's interesting is I think it's ideal because you're equidistant from St. Pete and, and Tampa, you know, proper as it were. So you, I almost feel like you've got more exposure than a lot of these breweries as you come up through the Heights. I, was that by design or is that? That was by design. One of the, one of the major claims to fame since the brewery opened in 2016 is we are South Tampa's best and only brewery. Well, there you go. I mean, you, you wear it well. Uh, and like I mentioned, I was over there on Saturday night and I've been aware of it for some time, but obviously with COVID and two young kids and all this other stuff, you know, a night out starts to become an act of Congress just to be able to get it to happen. But my buddy, uh, Dave Sweeney, who's actually from Ireland, uh, so he, he, he's got the, the pedigree to be able to judge which your wares over there. But we had a great time. But I couldn't get over how big that place is. I mean, you could park a, a commercial airliner in there. It's a huge facility. It's a 17,000 square feet yeah, warehouse. Um, you know, we bought it as an event space. And of course, the one thing you don't want to be in the past year is an event, an space. event space. So, you know, we did have to shift gears and kind of adapt to do more distribution and get the get the beer out in the market. Um, so that, that, that little strip. So, so for those of you who, who don't know, it's right off of Gandhi on the North side of Gandhi, right before you go over the bridge, if you're heading towards St. Pete or right as you get over the bridge, if you're coming from St. Pete, um, my buddy Lane Andrews has a, a jujitsu school in there, which it's funny. I, I didn't have any reason to ever go into that strip mall. And now I have two reasons to go in, in there. So hopefully it's, it's a, a, a resurgence in that area. Yeah, um, we're seeing the construction getting done too, and everything, right. and being next to a gym, I guess, kind of helps too if you're feeling particularly guilty. Yeah, for sure, you can kind of yeah balance it out. So, as I understand it, you're from France originally. Yep, from Montpellier, a little south of uh, Paris. Okay, and I just before we got on the air, you were talking to me and said you moved at a relatively young age from France, about four to, to San Francisco, and um, one of my big regrets is when we when we actually moved from San Francisco over to Florida, I was about uh, 13 or 14, so I hadn't quite discovered the craft beer market Yeah, you yet. keep moving from these great towns and ended up in Tampa. It's like you went from France to San Francisco to Tampa. It's like, you got to turn that around. Oh, it was Ruskin. I wish it was Tampa. Oh, oh. So, so what was that about? Was it was it, was Nature Dad's work or what was it that kept moving uh, after you guys? After 9-11, we had, a, we had a family restaurant in Sausalito. And after 9-11, things got you know shuttered down for a lot of, a lot of small business owners. Um, we just kind of recalibrated. It was a lot cheaper to live in, in Florida at the time. So we moved down and opened up a restaurant in Florida. What was the restaurant? A little tea room. It was called Porch Cafe, also in Ruskin, um, which did not make it terribly long uh, by virtue of being in Ruskin. Sure. Yeah. The, the Ruskin <laughs> crowd with the tea room, I would yeah. I would wonder how, how those A destination look. spot, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's funny because there, there was a brief moment. My wife and I, we lived out kind of near Wesley Chapel on Lithia. And there was a tea room there that we absolutely adored. That one went under too, but it's, you know, there's, they're not, there's not a lot of them here. So you will kind of get in your car and, and go there, which is an interesting transition point because this is something that I'm starting to see with the breweries. I mean, they're popping up and there's really becoming kind of a, a tour. Uh, you know, I mean, obviously there are tours that are set up by these different, you know, like we've had uh, the Tampa Bay Ale Trail guys in and everybody else, but literally it's, it, 
I, I almost think we were getting to the point where people will come to Tampa for the purpose of trying out the breweries much in the same way that they do in Asheville and some of these other towns. Is that something you've experienced? Like people seeking you out from out of town? Oh yeah. We've been, I mean, I've personally been saying that for a good five years that, I mean, uh, the whole Tampa St. Petersburg area is, is simply one of the great destination areas for craft breweries. I mean, if you're looking to experience that, I put them really on there with, you know, uh, with North Carolina and, and uh, San Francisco and all those places. So what was your entry point into it? Like, how did it, how did you get an interest in beer? I mean, other than the obvious being a young um, man who likes to drink beer. You know, high, high school, I discovered it was fun. And, uh, right. and when I got into college, actually, it was when I got a Mr. Beer Kit. Where'd you uh, go? Uh, USF and okay, Pete. okay, and uh, yeah, I got a Mr. Beer Kit and uh, and I brewed my first beer under my mattress in the dorm rooms, uh, and it was terrible, but I got the bug from that man. And uh, yeah, second I was twenty one, I went to the local liquor store and started doing their craft beer buying, and that was uh, uh, two thousand eleven, two thousand twelve. What did that entail? Like, did did they send you tra- traveling to places to try out stuff, or did the oh, reps just come to you and yeah, say, the reps will come to you. Here's a here's a box, give it a try. They'll let us know if you'll sell it or whatever. If you're, if you're lucky, you'll get a couple samples that you yeah. don't have to pay for. Right. And uh, yeah, yeah, and that's just a matter of you know, kind of building out their uh, the coolers. You know, when I first started there, it was two or three cooler facings, and now if you go in there, it's their entire cooler is one section for your domestics, and then everything is is all craft beer. You know, so, so you, you came at it not through it, it, most of the people that I've had on that I talked to almost. All of them come through Cigar City, it seems like, or at least a, a, a good majority of those people. All past leads. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, um, but you came at it a little bit from a different angle through the the, the buying and selling like wholesale or, or retail of craft beer. Is that accurate? Yeah. I mean, one of the things that I wanted to do from the beginning was was learn about each facet. You know, we are a three-tier system there. And uh, the one thing that I still haven't really done is actually worked for a distributorship okay um but you know i wanted to try that out um obviously the end game there is to get into a reposition for for a supplier or for a distributor right so is this a family venture is this just you do you have partners or or how how did it come about where did the name come from like what was the concept what what was going to be your footprint that you wanted to leave on this so with a1b um it was actually four four guys that all went to fsu together okay and uh you know, they saw they saw the market. They saw what was happening. Um, they wanted to make a, like we're talking about someplace in South Tampa that was like that that was easily accessible um, as an event destination as well as a, as a craft brewery. And uh, you know, I'll be the first to say actually when they when they opened, I was there in 2016. I started working for them. I, I took a brief hiatus and left the industry as a whole. Um, but when we first started, I mean, there, there's there are so many hurdles you know that you don't know about and. Uh, well, I'm sorry. It sounds like I'm going to cut you off, and I'm not. But you know, running a business, I'm aware of all the stuff that goes on the back end, just in my business. But I, you know, in talking to the different people that I've spoken to, as I've kind of started to get into this world and talk to people, I mean, it seems like the number of plates you got to keep spinning just on the back end, whether it's your machinery or your supply or your canning or your whatever the case may be. There's just so many opportunities for something to hamstring you that oh, yeah. it's a balancing act. We're working on our brew kettle right now, and uh, that's when we replace that. That's going to easily be fifty thousand dollars. Yeah, and that's just that's one component of the machine. Right, right. <laughs> so, uh, as far as the production of it, where did you kind of learn that trade? Was it on was it on site there, or, or did you work at any other breweries? Or I've been a somewhat of an avid home brewer. I, okay. I, I like to think I get pretty uh, 
I enjoy the science and the alchemy of it. So I don't. So I'm a I'm a blank slate here. So I really ask you from a from a position of ignorance on it. the The process of brewing at home and the process of brewing brewing at a you know production facility or in a brewery are they pretty similar? And it's just a scale difference, or is the process different? How does it work? They are. Um, if you're doing, you know, full grain brewing the same way that we're using the same materials that they would use in a big brewery, it's still, I mean, chemically, it's the same thing. And that's about where, where it ends. Okay. You know, I mean, equipment uh, changes drastically when you're talking about uh, production level brewing. So uh, you said you were there at 2016 when it opened. And at some point, it sounds like you transitioned into ownership from starting out there in some other capacity or... Uh, I started off as a sales rep. I'm not actually ownership right now. I'm just uh, I did do the director of sales. Okay. So I do all the outside sales for the brewery. And, okay, uh, and uh, I I treat it as if it were my own. Sure, sure. <laughs> well, you had a quite a wide selection on tap when I was there just the other night. So how often does that switch out? Who is you know who is it that's coming up with the ideas on what you guys are wanting to put out there? How often does that change? Like uh, frequently now, we actually have a pilot batch program. Uh, we have a five barrel system. Um, we split up to two two five barrel tanks, so we uh we try to release. I'd say every other week you're going to see a beer on average, right? Um, coming out there, you know, you saw yeah the board. We try to have about twelve about twenty to twenty three beers available at a given time. Um, beer week and everything's been been crushing us. I think we're down to about sixteen right now, but right. we got a couple new releases coming out. Um, we have an amazing brew team as well. You know, we got actually we got Ryan Stick, who is another Cigar City guy, right? Uh, and then we got um uh Kevin is uh from Coppertail. I'm trying to remember his last name though. It's okay. <laughs> we deal with a lot of people. Yeah. Getting old sucks. Yeah. So um, as far as uh, distribution, you mentioned a little bit that you you guys have worked with Disney in some capacity. That seems to be a pretty big. Yeah, that's a great contract for us. Uh, uh, Is that something you're responsible for getting or, or at least cultivating or maintaining or? So ironically, that was actually the contract that uh, I, I went there. Uh, when I left the industry, I did uh, construction engineering, which is not nearly as exciting as craft sure. beer. And uh, I went I went to the brewery one day just to drown my sorrows on a Friday. And uh, they told me, hey, we got this contract and, uh, you know, we want we want to have a sales rep back. And that's that's how I came back to the whole thing was because of uh, of them getting that contract. So right. Super right. grateful for that, uh, creating the opportunity. But no, I'd say of the of the the uh, growth we've had, that one I haven't had anything to do with, but I certainly appreciate uh, when I see the numbers. So. Do you feel like your experience in the restaurant business with your family has kind of helped you kind of understand the atmosphere that you're working in here? I mean, dealing Absolutely. with these vendors, dealing with the public, that sort of thing. Yeah, and um, you know, sales in the craft beer industry is so special in the way that we can't actually sell anything. You know, we have yeah. to have that middleman. So, right. so because of that, I think it attracts a lot of people who are more passionate about the other aspects of it um, and, and just happen to have a sales background. Sure. Uh, so for me with the, with the restaurant industry, it's actually, it's more uh, my mom being a chef, it's flavors, you know, the, the excitement of, of trying all sure. these flavor combinations is uh, what really draws me to the, to the industry. Are, is, are they still doing something? Your, your parents, do they have, uh, my mom works for All Children's Hospital. She's okay. the head of the nutrition over there. She creates all the programs for people oh, wow. in schools. That's very uh, cool. Yeah. And so do you have a family of your own? Are you married? Do you have kids or anything like I'm that? I'm married. I have a 10-year-old son. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. That and keeps you busy. Keeps me very busy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm house shopping right now, too. Are you really? Uh, yeah. I can't even get into it, but <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's yeah, a bad well, time. Well, I mean, it, it's, it's interesting because uh, last I checked, the interest rates were amazing. So that was good. Uh, but then with... 
depending on the nature of your employment with the PPE and a lot of this other mm -hmm. stuff, you know, the amount of paperwork that they need from you to be able to actually get the financing is a friggin' nightmare. So not to mention, if you're trying to live in Tampa and, you know, you better, you better have a good chunk of change if you want. Well, more sure. And so that, that's an interesting <laughs> point too, because you mentioned uh, the premier and only South Tampa brewery. I'm surprised mm -hmm. that it seems like from a cultural perspective, it would be ideal for there to be more in South Tampa, but I'm guessing the, the cost of the real estate is what the the obstacle is. Tremendous. There. Yeah. Absolutely. Because obviously you can get something here on Franklin or in Tampa Heights or Seminole Heights a lot cheaper than you can just off Bayshore or, you know, in the plant school district. Yes. Um, but that's, again, why it's interesting where you're at. I love that area. You know, I'm, I'm always talking to people, you know, interestingly enough, talking about real estate, about the Port Tampa area. Um, I don't know if you've looked over there. You ever go to Picnic Park? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So I feel like that area is primed for expansion and for commercially and, and residentially. And I, I always mention that uh, Batista, the wrestler, mm -hmm. uh, lives over there and has some huge compound over there. But yeah, I mean, I, I would hope that maybe some more start popping up there. But how do you see the next five to 10 years going here locally? Do you think that it's a bubble? Do you think that it's still on the way up? Do you think it's kind of past its peak or... As far as breweries, breweries popping, popping in, yeah, yeah. Um, we are, I think we're entering crunch time. Yeah. You know, we were talking about even five years ago when I started repping, uh, you know, we knew back then that all the reps who were talking, that's, you know, this there there will be an eventuality here where there will simply be too many breweries. The saturation, yeah. And we are seeing things year over year where, you know, I think uh, the amount of breweries, uh, uh, small or nano craft breweries, so we're talking, you know, to 10 barrels or under or so. Uh, I think has more than doubled in the past year and the market share for craft beer has increased by about, you know, 5% or so overall. So it's not, it's, uh, it's a lot more. There's more, there's the more supply than demand yeah. or, or the, the growth of the supply is, you know. Yeah. Now that being said is, you know, is there a place for a brew pub, you know, on in, in every street? Could there be several? I, I think so. You know, sure, I mean, yeah. you can do something now that as far as a mass distributed brewery, we do have to start, you know, understanding that, uh, I think a lot of, especially brewery owners, have uh, more loftier goals than what can can be obtained for everyone. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, did you see what was the impact that you saw of COVID on Eight One Bay? You know, it, obviously restaurants are, you know, for a long period of time there's no dine-in, but now I would imagine people are buying and bringing home more than they might have otherwise. So, was there kind of a, a redistribution between where you saw the profitability from? That that's maybe sold on tap at a at a restaurant or at Disney versus people ordering cases or buying them in a store. There was explosive growth in the in the, we call it the uh, uh, the off premise markets, which is yeah anything that's doing the cans right. uh, and bottles. Um, every brewery saw an explosive growth with that, um, which is great. But the only problem is is that uh, we especially if you don't have your own canning rig. Um, you're not typically making a great deal of money. Your cans are usually more to get your name out there and to get people to try your beer. Right. So, you know, and you see these numbers and you go, oh, well, it's, you know, we lost 30% in draft, but we gained 25% in package. The reality is you didn't really gain that, you know, monetarily. It was more just a, just a sales, numbers, yeah. sales number. Yeah. Right, right, right. Um, so what's your future hold? Is this something that you, you think you're long term? I mean, do you have designs on your own place or... Have you thought that far ahead or just kind of? I have. I mean, myself personally, I, I would never try to uh, create a, a large brand like that. Sure. I, I want to retire one day to a small town somewhere and, you know, uh, maybe in Europe, who knows, 
and uh, and open up a small brew pub. But uh, that's that's retirement. That's many decades from now. Well, that's a good point. <laughs> do you see this overseas much? I mean, is there is this is do you see a, a brew culture? I mean, obviously, you know. Germany, these types of places mm-hmm. who kind of it came from. But I mean, do you see this kind of uh, explosion happening overseas anywhere? Uh, certainly not in the same capacity. And uh, I'm really glad you brought that up because one of my favorite things is actually I'm seeing it develop um, like it was 10 years ago, you know, eight years ago, five years ago. You're seeing that now uh, as you go out further east. And uh, we have some family out in Japan, and there they are. There's starting to be these like craft beer clubs, you know. And there's there's a few craft breweries over there. It's not um, nearly at the level, you know, of, uh, of Europe or Americas, but uh, you can't see. Uh, I don't know. There's five or six like really cool nationally distributed craft breweries coming out of Japan right now. Well, it's it's interesting because you know always kind of wondering what the next phase is going to be. What's the next facet of the business? And you know, obviously, like. There's these brew tours. And then uh, as I've started to study this recently and try and become more aware of who's around and what product they're putting out, there's a lot of like apps now and and memberships and all these different things. And it's kind of emulating like wine clubs. I mean, I I think it's only a somewhat recent phenomenon where someone might, you know, have a membership or a uh, what do you call it? A well, membership for the lack of a better term with a, with a brewery or with a host of breweries and kind of get sent the flavor the of the month. The month thing. Right. Yeah. Because yeah. I mean, before, you know, I, I'm not so much older than you, but, you know, up through college, like the, 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 the most kinky beer out there was Ice House or Red Dog or something like that. Sierra Nevada was such a big deal. Oh, well, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was Corona. <laughs> I mean, you know, and then, and then, uh, you know, we've kind of date stamped it the mid 2000s is mm-hmm. when, for, you know, as I'm trying to understand this more, whatever reason, maybe some of the licenses dropped off, some of the production facilities were kind of loose from the big three or big four. And so these craft breweries started to kind of spread out. But um, I, I really kind of wondering where it goes from here. Like you brought me this bottle today. Can I talk about this label? I don't want to. I mean, oh, yeah, yeah. We're okay. okay. <laughs> so I noticed this when I thank you so much, by the way, for this. This is badass. Um when I went the other uh, night with my buddy Dave, I noticed you had these bottles, and one is uh, you had the Emperor, Emperor Palpatine from Star Wars on there. And then is this Darth? That's Darth Maul. Darth yeah. Maul. I can't want to say Darth yeah. Sidious, but this is Darth Maul. It's a beautiful bottle. Uh, you mentioned kind of flying under the radar with Disney, and I'm sure all three people who listen to this show are going to report <laughs> you. So it's only a matter of time before they come knocking. But um, that's very cool. And, and a lot of these places that I've gone to, I haven't seen bottles. So, it, you know, that's that's kind of interesting because it seems like everything's gone to cans and you guys still have you had a lot more options as far as sizes and types of containers that you were selling stuff in. Sure. Um, we can anything we want to drink fresh. Any of our barrel aged stuff and everything like that. Something that, that you know, I mean, that. That took us uh, 16 months to make, you know, from start to finish uh, with the aging in the barrels and the, and the almost breaking the mash ton with the amount of malts that go into that barley wine. Right. So, uh, you know, when it's a real act of love like that, we want to try to wax stamp it and, and get a cool art print. Uh, that's, uh, I believe his name is Raymond uh, Calarero, and uh, he does all of our artwork for the limited releases like that. It's gorgeous. Uh, if you look at the cans, the cans are all kind of like a... Uh, uh, almost a comic book art style. Yeah, and that's Jamie Jones out of St. Pete. I th- and well, so so that that's another point is, and that's what I love that's happening in this world is, 
you know, if you're a collector, like, you know, I love skate decks and the art on those. I love concert posters. I love movie posters. I love, you know, graffiti art, sticker art. So with these cans, there's almost like a whole, there's a whole other aspect to want to buy beer apart and aside from just the consumption of it. You know, some of the stuff is a work of art, you know, Uh, you know, I saw all the stuff that you had and obviously the one that you brought me. Uh, we have Woven Water, which just opened up right up the road. They've got yeah. some gorgeous cans. Magnan- I love I love Woven Water's aesthetic. I think it's amazing. It's really cool. Uh, the magnanimous guys up the yeah. road, they're really cool. Like some of their stuff has kind of a, a heavy metal kind of, <laughs> you know, aspect to it. And, uh, you know, so it's cool uh, that the identity of the beer isn't just the taste of it. There's kind of a an aesthetic appeal to it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so as far as you go, like – have you do you still have the passion that you had in the beginning are you still that that young kid who was brewing in his room or does it get old for you or you know it's funny because when i when i did leave the industry i left for a year and i did think you know okay i'm just burnout oh not even so much burnout i just i i started looking at dollar signs and thinking about you know what i want for my family and everything sure. in the future and uh you know the uh the reality of it is i don't think there's really any amount of money that can that can take away from a doing a, a something you love for 40 or 50 hours a week you know i mean that's just so this is a, a good this will give us we can kind of expand beyond beer but i have this i have this uh observations so my my day job is i'm a divorce attorney a family law attorney so i have a lot of opportunity to think about the mechanics of families and children and the impact that parents have on children and you know one of the things that I would point out is it's invaluable for children to see a fulfilled parent in the household because you're setting an example for that child. You're modeling for them what is going to be important for them, what their priorities are going to be. So if you're doing something that you love and you care about just because it's not necessarily making you a mint, I think that as a father of a 10-year-old, is far more important than, you know, the number of zeros after the the, you know, that you're talking about now obviously you want to be able to pay your mortgage and all that sure, stuff but sure. um so i think it was impatience too on my part you know uh you uh i think with enough passion and enough work you can become successful in whatever you do and uh you know with this it's just a matter of uh i think i had the experience when you start out and you know my, my son was uh was born when i was 20 um when i got into that industry you know he was he was really three and i was doing events and going out of town you know, sure right? so there was that little bit of, oh, you know, I wanted to make sure that I could be there for him, that, you know, uh, we wouldn't have any scheduling conflicts with mom or anything. And, and now that, you know, he's a little older and everything, it's much easier for me to go, hey, I got to go do this thing. I'm going to be gone for two hours. Like, you know, here's dinner. Right. <laughs> right. Now, as far as beers uh, yourself, do you have favorites? Are you like an IPA guy? Do you like lager? Like, what's does that change? Just- yeah, I don't discriminate. I like to, you know, I like new things. Mix it I, up. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, with the bottle shop, when I, when I, was working for Sheps in St. Pete, which I don't know if you ever got to go over to before it closed. Um, they had about a, uh, between two and 3,000 different beers at a given time. I know it very so, well. I mean, I grew up over there. I grew oh, up yeah, in Woodlawn, okay. so I d- drove by it constantly. So, yeah. uh, my high school buddy and, and I were the last two managers before it officially shut down and yeah. everything. And, and, you know, in that in that two-year time period, I mean, I must have tried – that was the most exciting part, was knowing that, you know, you're going to try all these new beers when they started messing with all these different adjuncts and everything, you know. Yeah. I, I personally like all that. Um, I can see getting burned out, you know, especially, okay. I've had 
300 New England IPAs this month. I'd like to try something new. Do you think uh, there's any territory that hasn't been, you know, discovered yet in the beer world? I mean, 100%. That's actually, I mean, I think one of the reasons we've been so successful, uh, even in this past year with the with the uh, pandemic, we actually grew 25% year over year. Right. And uh, the reason was, is we took a look at things. And it's, I don't think that there's a lot more in terms of throwing chocolate bars or cheeseburgers into your beer or whatever you know any kind yeah. of that stuff but uh but looking at beer styles and just tweaking them a little bit and uh you know i think uh one of the last ones we did was a nitro uh pour on an oktoberfest okay and it was just wildly successful it was no one no one had heard of it no one had seen it nothing you know it was a great beer yeah. and say that again nitro a nitro oktoberfest okay yeah and is that just the name or is there, is that, is that it? So that it's, right? uh, it's poured with nitro instead of CO2. Okay. Uh, so you think of it more like a Guinness in terms of, of the body. Sure. You know. Okay. All right. Very cool. Um, yeah. Um, now I'm trying to think of whatever the characteristics, you know, they had like with a diamond, there's the cut, the color, the carrot and the whatever with a beer. I'm, you know, is there that sort of thing? Uh, there's a flavor, there's an alcohol content, mm -hmm. there's a color. Like are those, is there kind of a set type of characteristics that you're looking at when you're defining what something is or really a lot like a wine, you know, you're going to look at the, at the nose, you want to smell it. And, yeah. Uh, uh, the body of it. Um, like you said, the, the, the flavor profile and then what affects it, whether it be the alcohol or whatever malts they used or adjuncts and everything like that. Um, I do, I have come to really like, a more simple approach. Um, I like the changing of styles, but I do like the idea of showcasing, you know, the, the malts and the hops and getting these are all the flavors coming from that, you know. What what impacts the alcohol content? Like, how where, where does that come from? What is it, you know, is that something that is just happening naturally when you decide on a flavor profile or, or can you actually like you can dial, dial it, it up or dial yeah. it down? Um, you know, and that would kind of affect what you call the dryness you okay. know, of the beer. Um but is that that's, hops or what? Like, what is it? What is it that's affecting the alcohol content? Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. That's the um. So that's the yeast. Okay, the yeast goes into the beer and eats the sugar. Okay, and then the the waste product from the yeast is alcohol. Okay, and that's uh that is the that is brewing in action, really fermentation in action. Okay, because uh, I remember, you know, again, I'm the ignorant one, but I remember when I first found Chimay and I had a couple of those, and it was like, you know, I I feel different after three yeah. of these than I yeah. do after three, you know, something else. So. Uh, you know, the higher alcohol content beer is definitely something that, that I kind of tend to go to. Um, well, anyway, thank you so much for coming in. I really appreciate it. Uh, I, I love your space. I think it's awesome. And, and you know, selfishly, I'm a, I'm a bike ride away from you over there. So that's great. Um, is do you, any thoughts on other locations? I mean, is this happening as much in St. Pete? I mean, I know there's breweries kind of as you get more north, but is this happening in, in the St. Pete area? Absolutely. When you got a, you got downtown St. Pete kind of going up Central Avenue, it's uh -huh. a really great location. And then you got the Pinellas Ale Trail kind of going it, through Dunedin. And right. all that. I would say as far as accessibility, actually, um, for, you know, when you're talking about going on your bike or whatever, uh, that's a, a great place to do that kind of stuff. Tampa, you're more Tampa's tough. You got to stick in little pockets. Yeah. yeah. Uh, now, are you guys participating in the beer week at all? Like, is today the last day or tomorrow's the last day? Did you do any events or any special brews or anything like um, that? We did some specials. We released a session black IPA and the black lagers coming out here. Um, we were looking at doing a little bit more in the collaboration game, um, certainly this year. Uh, but one of the things that I think we did last year was we really, um, when I came back on in uh, January of, of, of 2020, it was. Let's all take a look at us. Well, I want to make sure that we're going to be the best brewery that we can be and the brewery that we want to collaborate with first. 
And um, I really think, you know, obviously they've been working to that this whole time. But uh, in the past, I'd say 18 months or so, when I came on, I was like, this all this beer is brand new. It's really fantastic. And I, we've not ceased that uh, energy in this whole past year and just and that creativity. And I'm really excited to see what 2021 has to offer for us and for the whole industry. Well, yeah, I, it, yeah, it was kind of ending, but now you just opened up a couple other <laughs> discussionary. Um, the two things that I would identify, uh, you know, that I would say stood out about my experience with you is number one, the flavors. You get pretty adventurous in the flavors. So, oh, yeah. so there's that. But then the other thing, as you mentioned, is that space. Like, once hopefully we get back to a point. I mean, you could you could have a pretty decent sized concert there. I mean, got, we had there, concerts. We got the there was a stage arcade. there. You got the arcade. You got the projector on the wall. But I was looking at it. And it was like. This is bigger than a lot of clubs that I go see shows at in Ebor. So I, you know, I don't know how much that was planned at the outset. Well, you said it was 2016 that it opened. What did it open in that spot in 2016? Yep, it's been there the whole time. And so prior to COVID, was it hosting live events almost every day? Was it yeah. really? Oh yeah, yeah. We had open mics. So I just missed it. Did, yeah, we did. Uh, we even did um, uh, yoga camps. Really? Oh yeah. Wow, that's an interesting idea. Yeah, get an hour of yoga in, and then. Well, it is unique in that way. That's it's a uh, it's certainly a craft brewery first, but we are a craft brewery slash event space. That's you very. Know? It's you know that was was the thing that really caught me off guard the most when I walked in there. I couldn't believe it. Anyway, all right. Well, thank you so much. I, the, there's no rhyme or reason when I begin and end on these things. Um, thank you so much. I appreciate you coming down. I know Mike. How do you know Mike? Beard? No, Sinclair. Who got you on? Um, actually it was Clay Parkinson from, oh, oh, okay. So, okay. So his friends (laughs) and Clay came around to you. All right. Well, Clay, yeah, Clay was a sweetheart too. I still, I still haven't been to New World Brewer, the new location. So we we just sponsored the Apple Butter Express last weekend. We were pouring uh, A1B beers out there. That's awesome. That's (laughs) awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming in. I really appreciate it. I wish you the best of luck and, uh, I hope to see you over there again soon. Everybody, uh, A1Bay, uh, it's on, what's the address? Do you, do you know off the top of your head? Um, no, it's at the intersection of Gandhi and Manhattan right. right before the bridge and you know website social media i mean it's on facebook Um, it's on facebook that's the best place to go for any of our events anything like that um otherwise yeah just call in the brewery there's always someone there and you can order it online or if you want to if you want to do they have a curbside or anything like uh, that we do we do do curbside we do delivery um or i should say do delivery we can ship out beer um but uh we also do plenty of crowler fills and everything there so we uh, we have again a 17,000 square foot facility it is extremely safe uh, you know we have the mask mandate uh we take that very seriously and come have some beer awesome sam salgado everybody thank you so much for coming on i really appreciate it thank you all right